0: Hiya, Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back?
1: Um, yes, please.
2: You look like a nice boy. Do you want a balloon too, Georgie?
1: I'm not supposed to take stuff from
3: strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the Dancing
0: Clown. Now we aren't strangers,
4: are we? I should get going now.
0: Without your bow?
5: Christianity, and the horror genre.
4: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Fear of God. Not just another episode, but a very special episode for for many reasons. Um, This is one of your hosts. Nathan Rouse, typically with me is Reed, but today Reed said something about needing to just make a paper boat to see if it floats. I don't really know exactly what that is a reference to, but in the meantime, I want to welcome everyone to this very special episode. So many special things are happening. First of all, it is our second ever Quarterly king. If you have listened long to this podcast or just to 10 seconds of one episode, you might know that we have a deep and abiding affection for the one and only Stephen King and honor his work twice a year or every 25 or so podcast episodes. If you're a super nerd and accuse us of being fuzzy with the numbers here, we were planning to do Dark Tower for the Quarterly King, but did you see Dark Tower? Right. So, here we are now with an overstuffed anniversary issue of an episode we call Quarterly King. On top of that, not only is this an oversized issue of an episode, but to make it even more special and collectible, it's got a variant holographic foil cover. Just kidding. But what it does have is a crossover. So many comic nerd deep cuts going on here this week. But it is true, (laughs) this week we are teaming up. Well, first, like any good crossover... Uh, we may have already started fighting over some mutual understanding, and <laughs> then we'll team up. But today we, today, we are teaming up with the crew from fellow Faith and Fear podcast, The Body and the Blood. Welcome, guys. Yay! yay. Yes, How's it going? Yes. Hello, everyone. Right. So, 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 guys, uh, to fill you all in while we wait on Reed, this is a very special episode for us. Reed and I, in prepping for this um, overstuffed quarterly king, we wanted to assemble our very own Losers Club. Um, you know, in hopes of defeating that frolicking ancient evil, one Mr. Robert Gray, a.k.a. Pennywise the Dancing Clown. So we invited you guys, <laughs> or you might have invited us, depending on if you're listening to this in y'all's feed or in our <laughs> feed or whoever. Welcome to all of the shows. Um, the turtles summoned us. Yes. Oh, that was good. That was good. I should let you talk more. but before, <laughs> So before we dole out... Um, who is in our losers club? I'm I'm gonna assign some roles here. Um, but I wanted you guys and the Body and the Blood to give you a chance to introduce yourselves, tell a little bit about your show, because people who are listening to this on the Fear of God feed will have be be totally mind blown by what is happening right now. So I wanted to give y'all a minute or two to do that. Hopefully, Reed will return from his boat floating excursion soon. So so take it away, guys.
1: Uh, so I'm Blake Collier, I'm the host of The Body of the Blood, and I'm the one who tries to corral uh, Ian and Andy uh, most episodes, and then I produce it afterwards, and it's, uh, it's, it's fun most of the time, um, <laughs> except for all the cussing and all the uh, jokes that I have to cut out eventually. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, we have fun over at The Body of the Blood, we, we pair a, a new horror film that has come out the year that we record and pair it with an older film um, that has a similar theme or similar idea uh, that kind of connects the two uh, because like the next picture show says uh, films don't happen in a vacuum. So, uh, and we believe that's the, t- the case with horror as well. And so that's, that's the, uh, the basis of our podcast and we are glad to be summoned uh, to this <laughs> loser's club. Um I'll let Ian and Andy uh, talk about themselves. Uh,
2: okay, since he named me first, I'm Ian, and I've been doing the by the blood with Blake for a few years now. We definitely take the sacramentality of the uh, viscera of horror very seriously, but the risk in any kind of like cultural criticism that's theologically informed is that it like takes itself too seriously and can be just so dire and and everything. So we definitely try to keep the, the humor flowing. Uh, plentifully at the same time I don't think that that jeopardizes uh, how we try to uh, meaningfully analyze what horror has to offer We try to see through every facet of of reality and sometimes some stuff is just so absurd you have to laugh or you'll go like lovecrafty and insane before it so uh, and uh, Andrew uh, over here is uh, the new kid in town and uh, he has definitely Done a lot to make the show more accessible to the everyman, or something.
1: I think you should let Andy explain that
4: part. <laughs> I was going to say, does
2: Andy not speak? That's going to—I mean, it might be—it might be helpful for our
4: productivity if he doesn't say anything. But we do want to include him.
2: Um, Andy, don't screw it up. Say, right, about right. You're okay. right, Andy. <laughs>
3: I'm the everyman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. I'm, yeah. Nailed it. Okay, go ahead. I'm, go ahead uh, just move um, on.
3: <laughs> I'm uh, here to corral Blake and Ian because they get too heavy with their theological discussions. And I bring it back to everyone. And <laughs> um, like, a,
4: like an everyman. I,
3: yeah. And <laughs> I'm usually the fresh eyes of the podcast because some of the older movies i haven't seen so i'm able to look at it through a different lens than blake and ian because like the thing i had never seen and i don't like and (laughs) i have to mention that every episode to make blake and ian upset (laughs) but i would never seen it and i didn't like it so (laughs) that's what you get
4: it's pretty intense so um yeah well, awesome. Well, thank you, guys. So one, uh, I think it's really cool. The the nature of y'all's podcast, the nature of ours, there's, there's a very symbiotic sort of thing going on there. So it really makes sense that we're all uh, losers together. Also, I did want yeah. to, before we get too far, um, before we float too far down the river here, uh, make a point for listeners to note. So uh, very interestingly, all of us, all five of us are in different geographies in the U.S. right now. South Carolina, Illinois, Texas, California, North Carolina. So it's a very cool um, conglomeration getting together here. So thank you, guys. Losers and, across the land. Yeah. Yes. Losers across the land. I dig <laughs> it. Um, so it's great to be partnering with you all on this Quarterly King So Reed's still not back, but while we wait on him... Maybe you should introduce yourself for our podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, That's a good idea. Yes, I like that. I like that. Um, So yes, this is Nathan, Nathan Rouse. Um, So I sort of started, and maybe in many ways, I'm still the everyman of our podcast, um, because Reed had a much more uh, encyclopedic uh, awareness and history with a lot of the horror movies we discuss. Probably about 50% of them I've seen, but, you know, he, he invited me on this journey um, about a year ago, and we are actually celebrating uh Septemberish or late August, he can correct me, if or when he gets back, uh, was about a year for us, so it's been a fun journey on our end as well. Right on. So thank you for having us as part of y'all's Losers Club as well. So. I am. I want. I want to have some fun here and just dole out some roles of who's who in our losers club. So, I I'm gonna bite the bullet and go first. And for me, I'm going to uh, and I'm gonna give y'all some roles too. So that's how it's gonna work. I'm gonna pick Ben. I'm gonna pick Ben. Not just because in the book he turns into a really handsome adult, but. (laughs) Because true story, my brother's nickname for me as an adolescent was Fat Boy, and so he's a jackass. And uh, no, <laughs> that is a true that is a that is a true story, and lots of therapy to go along with it. But so I, I feel I feel Ben's pain, so I'm right there with you, brother, uh, big brother, um, little little big brother. So Blake, I hear. I, moving on, I hear you, Blake, have a thing for your mom still, so you can be Eddie, okay? Okay. Uh, so <laughs> you get you get you get to be eddie um man how does he know you know, it's it's it, you just gotta do a little digging
1: that's that's really spot on
4: <laughs> just that, that equifax brief there's a whole lot of information flying around out there um ian i understand uh, you have got a potty mouth that can't be beat so you get to be old beat beep, beep richie okay um, oh, you know yes. and Andy for you a little clown told me that you always get the girl so you get to be Bill in our little I was I had- hoping to be Beverly well no I was gonna say speaking of the girl I mean we do have to give out a be- Reed you're back you are just in time for your part in the losers club Reed you get to be Beverly how do you feel about that at least I got all the looks
3: there you go. <laughs> but don't don't try to kiss me at the
5: end. Oh man. As whoa, long as this podcast whoa. does not go for Beverly the way the end of the book goes for Beverly, I'm okay.
4: Whoa, I'm okay. My oh my goodness.
1: Wow. You really had to bring that wow. up. Didn't you do. <laughs> my
5: co-host know. chose to make me Beverly. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. <laughs>
4: Not in the movie. It's not going to happen. You just spoiled the. Whole, you, well, you didn't directly spoil it. Well, you just jumped in the sewer.
2: But but at least we're not lost anymore, and we're all together. Uh-huh. Oh my wow. God.
4: <laughs> the losers' club just took a turn for the sour. <laughs> um, so, all right, so I, I got, hi everybody. I, hey, welcome, Reed. Welcome. To, to, <laughs> Thank to, you to your, to your show. And
5: for the record, I am also glad of everybody who's here and all that they are saying. And yes,
4: yes, yeah. I was going to say. I don't know if you know, we were we were doing this big crossover podcast. I wanted <laughs> I didn't get a chance to give you a heads up on that.
5: No, no, I'm I'm glad. I'm. Uh, I, just the, yeah, I just up showed
4: up. You're the Spider Man. Yeah,
2: I just showed up, walked moment.
5: into the room, and and everybody's here. Yeah, underoos. So, <laughs> underoos exactly. <laughs> and not only because of my chosen attire for our recording session today, you know,
4: which is in uh, fact uh, underoos, right? <laughs> um, are you superman <laughs> yes so i i've got a, i've got a question for everybody uh before we kind of go too far down the drain with reed's reference there so if if pennywise the clown were to appear to you as something other than a clown what would it be just to contextualize that if you've not read the book um it goes more in depth in the book as to exactly how this happens but Pennywise manifests as things the characters are actually afraid of, and that's very clearly, as opposed to just a scary thing, which the movie sort of seems to be more about. So, if Pennywise were to appear to you as something other than a clown, what would it be? Anybody? anybody? Okay, Blake.
1: I'll go first. Um, I'll say that probably the thing he would have to do to me to really freak me out would be to basically make me think I'm in a wide open space in the middle of the night because I have a fear of wide open spaces in the middle of the night. (laughs)
2: How how would that work? That is so weird.
1: Because anything can come from any direction at me.
2: It could. Like a field
3: or like a room?
1: Like literally just stay so there's, inside there's a, a lot piece of all the time. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not like, it's not, it's not that bad. Like it's at night. So like I'm driving home from a movie from Amarillo. I've got a 15 mile drive and sometimes I'll take one of these roads. that doesn't have much light. Right. Oh, like it has light street lights occasionally.
4: Um, well, I did see, I did just watch Texas chainsaw massacre. So I know where this could go. This is you. true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's more about like being on a road and Amarillo is flat. You can see the back of your own head if you look hard enough. That's how flat it is. And so it's just wide open space in the middle of the night, driving down a road. Literally anything could pop up on the road. That freaks me out.
4: All right. All right. I can get down with that.
1: So he would have to do that. Like he would have to find me in a place where I'm driving down the road and he would have to pop out at the last minute and <laughs> creep me out.
4: Yeah. All right. Who's next? Uh. Existential, dude. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> this is very existential. I'll,
5: uh, I'll go next. I'll go next. So I think there's any variety of things that that he could appear to to terrify me, but I think he would have to appear to me at night, uh, like in a dark room.
4: In a field? Uh, what is wrong? No, with you?
5: not a, not in a field. But there's a specific <laughs> thing that I have to 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 prep myself for whenever the lights are all off in my house and I move from one room to the next. <laughs> And I usually look over in the corner, I look over in the corner and say, like, okay, what is that small little hulking thing? It's probably some toy of my son's, but it's like, what is that small little hulking thing over here? And I have. A continual nightly fear that one night I'm going to walk out there and that small hulking thing, whatever it is, is going to move and is going to move towards me. So if that, that's how Pennywise oh, would yeah. really get me is just like, oh, the lights are off. So I'm just going to pretend to be some bulk of something, bulk of fabric, bulk of whatever, some mound. And then I'm just going to start moving <laughs> towards him. Um, this, so yeah, that's, that's what he would have to do. This is a
4: really interesting direction this question has gone. So Ian and Andy, y'all pick it up. Whether who wants to go?
2: I got it. Uh, giant squid. okay there you go there you go that's very
4: direct very direct and succinct i appreciate it
2: (laughs) yep no neuroses here just
4: (laughs) hey reed watch out for that lump of clothes in the corner there okay
5: listen i have very specific fears okay that's how it goes that sounds
4: like it
3: (laughs) um mine would be a big snake
4: Okay. Oh yeah, can I change my answer?
3: Can I change my answer?
4: I don't know. Are you going to say a big snake also? In, in
2: light of Andy's?
5: <laughs> no, no, no. But but the no, but the but the snake thing reminded me. Big freaking scorpion. Big freaking scorpion coming for me. Yeah. Oh,
2: see, yeah, giant
5: scorpion. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's... More terrifying than some I'll I'll hug the mound in the corner to get away from the the giant scorpion. That's part of yes. his plan.
3: Blake, are you going to change your answer? No, I
1: refuse to. <laughs> All right, good.
4: <laughs> Existential dread is often more scary than literal anyway, so I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. For myself, I actually, this as I was pondering what this would be for me, um, honestly, it's a little synonymous with the movie itself. A giant spider would scare me to death. Like, I hate spiders. There is something about that sort of imagery. Um, clearly, if you've only seen this film as opposed to read the book or seen the miniseries you might not know where this goes but a giant spider plays heavily into where the whole thing goes so it would either be that or a jellyfish because i am the person who uh invariably when we go to the beach i will get stung by a jellyfish so they clearly hate me and have it out for me
3: do you always get peed on
4: uh, unrelated to the jellyfish, but yes, yeah, so it's just a habit. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Damn you, Equifax. You're just leaking all of our information.
2: Andrew, Andrew, Andrew just has these really random insights. That are
4: really He's good. Gonna... You could just tell. Um, all right, so that is you. that's how that's how Pennywise would scare me is just to pee on me, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how. How this edit is going to go, but it's going to... Welcome to the Quarterly King number two. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> right. so, let, so let's talk a little bit about the movie itself. So for for you Body and the Blood guys and Body and the Blood listeners, we do this Quarterly King. We were planning to do Dark Tower, um, but not even to be jokey. I went to see Dark Tower. I don't know who else did, but... I was going to say, and then you saw yes. it. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. I saw it and then decided it's... Now, if... It had not been so close behind Dark Tower. We might have maybe just pulled the trigger, no Roland pun intended, um, and gone for it. But it really is not a strong movie um, at all and barely works as a movie. So it was fortunate that it was so close behind it. So, um, And also, what Reed doesn't know is that the, the survey he threw up, I got my wife to vote and I voted to tip the scales in wow. favor of It. So wow. that's why we're all... That's why we're all Everything, I <laughs> Everything I believed is a lie.
5: Everything I believed is a lie.
4: Yes. I can't trust Everything. anything. <laughs> so, so, so go around and say what you've like, have you read the book? Uh, have you watched the miniseries? Have you seen the movie? Have you done all three for myself? I've only, I did read the book last year. Um, and then watched the film. So I've, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of the miniseries, but not in its entirety. Um,
3: I'm reading the book currently and I'm on page three forty seven and I remember seeing the miniseries when I was younger, um and I have seen the movie that just
4: came out. Okay, cool.
1: Well, thank you for that. You're yes. awesome. I'm glad that you saw the movie that came out. <laughs> he,
4: he, he, he was just going to wing it if he did You really would just be that every man who's just like, no, nope, that's it. I'm just here for the popcorn. His
5: only his only comment is just continually, "How about that clown, y'all? How about that clown?" <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> Blake, have, have you? What's what's your experience?
1: So, I I saw the miniseries at some point in my young life, um, probably around the time it came out, maybe a couple of years afterwards. And then I watched it not too long ago, probably three or four years ago again. And man, it does not, it does not, does not uh, age very well. Um, I read the book in college okay. and I loved the book until the end. Yep. And then it made me want to, burn the book
4: now when <laughs> when you say that so this is going to be just a free-flowing spot of the conversation when you say that are you referring to the sewer scene or the the astral plane which or all of it what are you referring to uh
1: pretty much pretty much from the uh, the scene that reed spoke right right right
4: right to the end i hate okay
1: yeah um, the, that, that whole s- that and really like the, the the rich the ritual quote unquote um <laughs> the takes yeah. place like it, it doesn't, like, it doesn't bother me in any kind of way, but it's just, it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the story. And so, like, from that point on, i just kind of lose interest. So, and then, yeah.
4: Okay, yeah, and we, we may come back to some of those scenes in yeah. specific. Ian, what about you?
2: Um, I read the novel when I was... In third grade, are you serious? Because my man, yeah, because 1993, and 1994 was a weird year for me. You
5: and
4: you and Reed would get along.
5: <laughs> Ian, why are we not friends? We have to be friends.
2: Uh, tonight is the night. Let <laughs> <laughs> right, the ritual ensue. <laughs> you are you are Beverly. So, oh my uh, god. <laughs> let's spoiler alert.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my! My god. heart burns there too. Oh my god. I'm, all right, so Ian, so you read the book in third grade like an idiot. And your pa- are your parents alive? Are they okay? Did they let you? Did I, they let you
2: read it? They were. They were somewhere. <laughs> so, like, oh, this, this.
3: so you think Ian's an orphan because he read the book in third grade?
4: <laughs> no, I just meant was there a parental authority who said this is probably
2: not a good. I Should have put something in the notes beforehand about being an orphan and it being touchy. It's fine. You didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> my butler raised me, so so that was that year. I read Stephen King's like published corpus to date. So I read it, and because uh, that was the era when if I if I did a grocery store run for my mom, I got to buy a book from the rack. So I would just get like I had read like all of Michael Crichton. I read all of Stephen King that year. So yeah, I read it. And uh Michael Crichton,
3: is he Jurassic Park? Yes. That's right. He
2: is okay. Jurassic Park. <laughs> okay. You are you are
4: an everyman, aren't
2: you? <laughs> 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 yeah, Malcolm, he's cool. Real cool.
0: And
2: so around the same time I saw the mini series because other third graders didn't read, and they're like, Oh man, there's a clown and it's scary. And I was like, That's Tim Curry, he's the devil, awesome. And uh I rewatched it recently and holy cow that sucks. Uh, <laughs> like you when your cast is uh John Boy and um like the guy from Night Court like that's not a that's not a both good
1: both both references no one will get.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Unless
1: they're our age. <laughs> <sighs> I get them. Okay, well No, no. No. Got- no, I'm talking about our audience.
2: <laughs> Unless oh, they're our oh. age.
1: <laughs> our age or older
2: what's up 40 year old audience so uh night court just wikipedia kids yeah all right what is dang this? it wow so I, then i watched the movie and now i have there's like three it's in my mind that i'm kind of toggling between anytime we talk about it, it. okay
4: yeah all right reed can you, can you trump Ian? Did you watch it in third grade?
5: No, 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 no. Or read no. it I, in third grade? No, no. First grade. Um, right. <laughs> Actually, it was my primary in kindergarten, and so... Uh,
0: <laughs>
5: no, 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 no. So uh, I encountered it uh, much later, but I was, I was about 14 years old when I read it. Um, but uh, I did uh, see the miniseries first, because I watched the miniseries when it... Aired. Um, so, uh. so I saw the miniseries first. Miniseries was 90. And then, um, I enjoyed it at the time, uh, very much so. So I went back and read the book. Um, enjoyed the book much better, although I am i am with blake and and pretty much every sane individual about the ending but um so but uh so then i read that i did later revisit the book um and have a different appreciation for the astral metaphysics of the ending and an even less appreciation for the sewer scene at the ending um but uh ritual yes the ritual um so i um so I, I, I've read the book twice. I've seen the miniseries probably a couple of times, most recently, um, earlier this evening,
0: actually. Wow.
5: Um, and <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I re, I rewatched the, the miniseries and yeah, I have to agree with everybody. At this point, it's just nostalgia. At this point, like anything that I enjoy about it is purely yeah. my memories of seeing it when I was much younger. Um,
4: is it, a, is it at least a solid adaptation?
5: Um, I mean, as an adaptation, it's pretty, it's pretty good at hitting the highlights of the book. It changes some necessary things. But if you're looking at just a, a palatable made for TV, we're going to give you the, the book story in condensed format in three hours. Yeah. I, I would say it's a strong adaptation, but the limitations of TV, the limitations of effects at the time, the limitations of its adult cast, which is really weird for me to say because the kids the are. Kids are- pretty Pretty strong yeah
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah.
5: the kids are pretty strong in it but then the adult cast just sort of uh, crumbles a bit in the second half and i think that's what really hurts the film overall um but i found does
4: it go does it go back and forth or does it do kids and then it goes back and forth yeah
5: Um, i mean the the first half is most of the of the young stuff but it does go back and forth continually through the three hours um the way it should be yes exactly (laughs) yeah exactly um but i did uh we we like, I mean, we'll get into a lot of the specifics about the 2017 film, but um but I, I was very fond of this. And I feel like now that this is in place, there's going to be less and less reason to revisit that uh, that 1990 miniseries. For me, you know, which makes me a little sad to say, but I'm glad that this new film is here. I'm hopeful for chapter two, et cetera, et cetera.
1: I still, I still appreciate Tim Curry.
5: His performance is great. Yeah, still his performance is great. To the
1: role, but, it's, but that's about the only reason why you'd want to watch it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly.
4: Well, um, our, our typical format, and we can sort of go through some of this, is we, once we go back and forth on some of what we've been doing, we talk about the likes and dislikes associated with the particular piece we're discussing, um, and then we'll get into some scares and some thematic ideas. So really, if we want to just take the next few minutes and kind of round table just some likes, dislikes, piggyback off each other, uh, I will start. I was so disappointed with Dark Tower, <laughs> and I knew the Rotten Tomatoes going into it. And was still pretty disheartened. Yeah, I was. I had prepared my heart for it to be maybe less than. And and while I do have some quibbles, I think overall the production design was really strong, infinitely better than Dark Tower. Uh, and specifically, um, the casting of Beverly, Eddie, Bill, and Richie was phenomenal. I mean, that's such an impressive feat to get a group of kids that strong. I don't, I don't think every kid is that strong, but those four in particular really, really make it work really well. So those, those are just two off the top of my list for likes. What, what else does everybody have?
3: I really like Pennywise. Yeah. Um, He's great. I thought he, I thought he was just like fantastic. And, um, from my reading of the book so recently, um, it kind of fit with what it was. I like that he wasn't as bright as Tim Curry um and he was dark and um it just just bill what's his name bill saskar which is which is like yeah. was so fantastic and i and i've read some of about like how he got into the role and stuff like that and he just really took it to another level uh, for me and i and i i mean this this pennywise like really sticks with me cool yeah
1: um so i was basically just going to add on yes bill scarscard was great in this um i think uh for someone trying to step into the shoes of tim curry he took in a completely different direction and i, I believe it worked uh, mm-hmm. in, in spades um i think probably the other thing i would mention is updating the timeline to the 80s yeah yeah that was great it was a great uh, addition and and it's just nature of where we're at in our culture we're kind of infatuated with the 80s again
5: yeah
1: and it makes sense to uh i couldn't be happier so (laughs) yeah no kidding me too uh that's that's the age i grew up in so um yeah it's 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 um just all the references all the meta-ness of of kind of what shows up in the movie um reference wise is is pretty great uh the, the soundtrack is wonderful um and yeah, I, I really appreciated them trying to update and kind of bring it into a realm that's similar in in tone to like stranger things and, and things like yeah. that. So uh, those are, those are the two biggest lacks I had.
2: Let me, so let me go from there. That, that's, that's a perfect segue for me because while I agree that the casting was phenomenal, I guess I don't say that with like a, a starry eyed kind of uh, adulation. It, um, I think that it was a good move having like Finn Wolfhard for instance, mm-hmm. Yes, but, uh, there, because stranger things is it and poltergeist and Salem's lot <laughs> and ET, um, the mirroring is, it, it just almost felt like, uh, Commentary. Uh, yeah, a, a little, a little, uh, heavy handed because essentially it's like, hey, well, let's have Mike be Dustin right. this time. Uh, uh, which I, that's not a very strong knock against it, um, at, at all. I totally concede that. It's just that it's impossible to not have, um, that perspective, I think, if you, if you've seen Stranger Things. It, when you know that it's heavily indebted to, more than just like a certain genre, a, a specific period of like horror and science fiction. Well, you
3: know the um, um, the Stranger of Things uh, creators were in the running to be um, like its directors at, at early
4: stages in twenty fifteen.
5: Oh wow, I didn't, I, I did didn't know that know either. That. That's interesting. Uh,
4: and in uh. fact, I believe I believe that because you know um, I was just doing some reading on this today. You know the 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 top level production director and even screenwriter, it, it, there was a turnover more than once. Um, but Finn Wolfhard Mm. was the only cast member to make it kind of the whole way. Um, and I think, you Uh. I think you make a good point. I do. It's almost unfortunate that they exist kind of within just a couple of years of each other and their 80s set. And it's Finn Wolfhard who, who, who's great in both. Yeah. But I I understand what you're saying. Like, it's kind of hard to shake. Okay. Well, it does feel a lot like that other
2: thing. Um, yeah. And, and especially when it's like, well, we won't typecast it. Right, we'll just remix right, it as right, a different kid right, right. from stranger things. Yeah. Like, but again, that's not, that's not, that's not very strong. It's just, I, I couldn't help it, but, but notice it. Um, but thing, things that I liked, because I, I, I do like that it evokes some of that. I love stranger things. Um, and it's just, it's even funny to say that because it obviously precedes it. Um, as an influence, and yet here we are talking about a 2017 movie that has, you know, uh, cast from right. an homage to right. the original it. So, um, what I, uh, what I really found strong was, um, at first I questioned the whole premise of having everything from the past in a, in a single film, and then we'll cover everything, uh, you know, quote unquote contemporaneous in the, in the second film. But what I found myself liking was that this allowed a lot more uh, exposition not not in a heavy-handed like um, narrator telling you everything way I mean in um, just being in uh, Bill's world longer and getting to know him through seeing his actions um, uh, getting characterization through embodied action and uh, I think part of the payoff was that I found it immensely heartbreaking just seeing um so in in the 1990 miniseries we see george for all of what two and a half three minutes um we know that it's bill's younger brother uh and and that's it and they're a little antagonistic even whereas in this um you know we have what 10 plus minutes of those two and seeing i found this it this just Wrenched my heart so hard. I have two kids. Um, seeing Bill hugging uh, George, hugging his brother, while Bill's making the right. newspaper boat, right, and and seeing that play out so naturally, just like any seven-year-old boy does with his older brother, right, and just feeling uh, genuine love between them. I think they, I think they captured the relationship very well without any. Cheesy dialogue, I love you, love bro, or anything like that, and just knowing what's going to happen. Like I know he's going to meet Pennywise. This sweet boy is about to die. I'm about to watch it, and I, um, I don't get very anxious during horror movies, but I was I was uh, squirming in my seat, knowing this kid this kid is about to die, and just hating Pennywise immediately, just with a passion. Um, so I I think that having that very strong focus. Um, spending a lot of time with each of these characters, um, establishing, um, their time, their place, um, their practices, um, got us a lot more into who they are rather than having, you know, um, the Lugia's Club all meet each other and tell each other their biographies and that's how we find out. Yeah. So I think that that was strong.
5: Yeah. That's actually a really good segue to mine, unless you had more to say, cause that, that I'm, I'm going to piggyback off that, um. But I want to. Uh, no, that man, was good. Go um, so, so what I was going to comment yeah. on is whenever I think it's my theory, uh, although I'm sure smarter people have said something similar before, because yeah, it's it's kind of overt. Most people, when I think the reason that most Stephen King adaptations fail largely is because most directors or adapters focus on plot. And when they focus too heavily yeah. on plot, King's work—I won't say it falls apart, but it is severely detrimented. Because the reason he is who he yeah. is is because of his richly drawn characters and the relationships that they have, and that's what resonates through the large body of his work. So for me, the biggest deal is they got these relationships, like you were saying, Ian. They got these, and and well, everybody's kind of said something along these lines that just the casting was spot on, the tone was. Precisely what I thought it needed to be with one small caveat I'll mention in a second. Um, but I feel like they really honed in on we need to believe and empathize and invest in the relationship between these losers club. Um, we really need to buy into them. Yeah. And if we buy into them, then the stakes will be what they need to be. The payoffs will be what they need to be. One thing you mentioned, Ian, about that relationship with Georgie, what a tremendous and gut-wrenching payoff to find his jacket in the sewer at the end. Yeah, and yes, absolutely. and and you feel every inch of that emotion. It's really devastating and in a very effective way. Um and yeah. one of the things that I love about it is I do feel like they they give some time and some space to the quieter moments, the 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 impact of the fact that Ben wrote the the poem, and and they tag in on that a few times, you know, where Beverly's yeah. mind goes, and then with Ben's disappointment in it, but then quite a payoff for Ben, you know, in the same thing. And we know and and readers of the mm-hmm. book, and you know, I think even viewers of the miniseries are going to remember that that they eventually wind up together. Spoiler alert for people who haven't, whatever, but, um, but it's some, it's something that like, I really appreciated and loved that they got that tone. So right. And one of my, I I think, my favorite moment in the film, speaking to that whole relational element, is Richie's big stand up and cheer triumph moment in the sewers, where he's like, "It's all your fault, Bill. You yeah. know, you you hit me. All this happened." And uh-huh. then, and then when he grabs that bat and says, "Welcome to the losers' club," mm-hmm. I, I almost came out of my seat. I was like, "This, this is what this uh-huh. this is what makes this story work. This this exact thing is yeah. why this story resonates so profoundly." Uh, you know, nearly thirty years later, like that that. That's why it's such a big deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's my biggest like. My one small caveat is I do feel like the book, and to a small degree, the 90 miniseries, um, does dread. A little better than the 2017 film does um i feel like it relies Mm -hmm. a lot more on startles than it does dread but um but that didn't bother me because they got so many other things right i was able to forgive that and bypass that because i feel like so many other elements were so strong
1: and i'm gonna tag in quickly on that real fast um whenever you were talking about the startles or the jump scares um i think I think that's actually the point where I started to realize that the creators of the film didn't actually trust Bill Skarsgard uh-huh. to carry his role. Um I I feel like he has he had the ability. Uh, I, I think the parts where he's able to just be himself and not be real you know, not have reliance on CGI yeah. or jump scares. Um he was intense and creepy oh he's incredible yeah i don't think he needed all that and i I feel like that was just them both feeding into the to the nature of horror right now but also being they were afraid that because tim curry is such a a massive like figure and he's got big shoes to fill they were afraid that he was not going to quite fill you know live up to that and he, he can. Yeah. And I, I think they would have done better to take the risk and just let him be him
4: throughout. So, they were, so, so I think like you're saying they were worried they'd get a Jared Leto Joker. Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
4: <laughs> they kind of <laughs> head their, heads their oh, bets man. a bit. Um, yeah. I do want right. to, I do want to. So, so those are, those are all kind of would fall into the likes category. Um, I, I, something that, and, Please, I'm interested in some potential pushback here because it may have just been that. Uh, so, only seen the movie once, kind of experience. So, for me, I think that the re- the reading of the book was so until the end, which even the after plane stuff didn't bother me nearly as much as the ritual did. But um, the book is so scary to the point that when I first mm-hmm. started to try mm-hmm. to read the book for the first time, I've only read it once, but when i first tried to get into it i would stupidly use it as like my go to bed wind down reading <laughs> and which which isn't inherently bad except that at the time i was trying to do this i would only give myself like 15 20 minute sort of reading chunks as opposed to just just big okay just just go full in cuz what that ended up doing is that if you if you've read the book um, you know the the book starts with the story of the gay couple and the attack and the throat, throw in the, the guy over the bridge and, and Pennywise's attack on him and the cops and all of this interrogation. stuff it's, it's very terrifying. And if you break that up into tiny pieces, it's like really scary right before bed. Um, so it took me a while to get moving, but, but what that did was reinforce for me something that I think the movie struggles with a little bit. And to your point, Ian, about, splitting the narrative between the kids and ultimately mm-hmm. the adults I I'm with you I think I think that was almost a necessity like you have to if they didn't know there's a second film and and it seems like there that wasn't hundred percent certain um, you, you've got to figure out how to do this in a way that doesn't destroy the story but still honors it and so I do think they've made the best mm-hmm. possible choice but my concern that Happens, and this is where I'm saying please push back some. Is I feel like splitting it created a really good first movie, but I'm worried you remove when you the intertwining of this narratives in the book creates this really interesting structure of, of the themes, right? Yeah, and so I right. think when you split that, you start to mess with what are the really strong themes and this is where i'm going with the mild dislike here because to me reading the book i got the impression of pennywise as a terrifying what made him so scary to me was it felt like this personification of this town's animus and fear and anger and hatred and that was yeah, ter- sure. that was terrifying i was like holy crap mm-hmm. you've you've king has done this you know fantastic trick before us of of embodying it in this kind of clown character, but what that clown character actually is, is the collective rage and, and anger and fear of a group of people, which has all sorts of thematic resonance. And so my concern with the movie, and I don't exactly know how you correct this, although I trust the creators enough to give them the opportunity to, my concern with the movie is Pennywise just feels like a big boss. He feels like the end-of-the-level boss. He scares you a couple times in the movie and then we're going to dispatch with him in a way that the book conveys so much more gravity and heft. And this may just be the nature of the problem of the medium going from a book to a movie. And I can, I can totally respect that, but that was something I wrestled with. I felt like, Oh, well, Pennywise is just the bad guy as opposed to this sort of rich ancient thing. So, so, so how about it? Who, who want- I,
2: I want to chime in immediately because I completely agree with that. Um, because I'm I'm happy with Pennywise being uh, actually, you know, this cosmic right. entity that uh, I, I, I wish that um, some adaptation of it would finally approach it because that's what he is. But it's to how, how do you how do you sell right. that idea right. in any kind of limited time frame whatsoever? If you rush it, it will fall flat on its face and it will be nothing but laughs. Um, just disdain. Um, I would love if that could be done well. Because that's what makes. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Right now, he's just um, uh, M. Bison, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yoga Flame, yes. Um, he's just M. Bison. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but, he's, but he's the Raoul Julia M. <laughs> Bison. Um.
4: <laughs> that is um. a serious deep cut, but I got it.
5: I am so proud yeah. of everybody in this room right now. <laughs>
4: well, we are truly we, losers, and this is our club. Can we, <laughs> yes. can we
3: um, you what? know, maybe let the fans know who Tim Vice is?
4: <laughs> nope.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe let me know. Yeah, got to yeah. earn it. Got to earn it. So, how
1: about that clown? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: And I, I think that if we if we actually portray Pennywise as a as a cosmic entity um, who is not simply scary but is horrifying, horrifying right. because we get a glimpse into this is what reality is really like. It is profoundly anti, not just you individually, y'all. Um, I think that that uh, blends in well with um, the structure of the novel and and does give us some. Um, I, I'm, I'm not usually a fan of trying to, like, tear apart the husk to get to the kernel that can be universally applied. But, but I mean, it is about um, being a kid, having uh, those significant moments that make you you, right? And how do you remember them? And your memory of them is a further shaping of who you are. And part of the fear is, um, and, and the movie does this a little implicitly but i i was asking blake like do you think this is going to become explicit like part of the premise of it is that the curse on the town makes adults they, they uh they ignore what's sure. going on they they profoundly sink everything that is so obviously heinous and evil deep into their subconscious i guess which uh that's a that is an interesting statement about becoming a grown-up because we all know, like, there's not actually something scary out there. It's just the heap of clothes. Um, eventually, you grow up and you realize, okay, it's not a frightening thing. It's it's just it's just this. It's it's right. a it's a heap of something in the dark. Um, right. And usually, we see that as good, right? That's progress towards maturity. In that case, it is. But as we all know, there's always that fear. Uh, that a kid has of like, man, I, st- I stopped like caring about stuff. I stopped feeling things. I stop uh, I stopped giving a rip once I become a grown up because uh, now I have to, now I'm supposed to care about this stuff that really, if anyone was saying they wouldn't care about their job, like how boring. Um, <laughs> so part of the fear of it is like, God, I don't want to grow up. To, it, it's kind of Peter Panish, well, right? Sure, I don't want to yeah. grow up to be as unfeeling as that. And uh, it's significant that ultimately the Losers Club forget everything, right? They leave Derry and they forget
4: well and also and also to piggyback on that, and please others jump in I'm talking too much, but but you're making me think someone I think like you referenced earlier, Lovecraft, like you can see where King is clearly creating this kind of Lovecraftian character in mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. it and and so if you and this is why I say when you split the story like this, which again, I think is a necessity of the attempt this time. Like it just it, if you're making a feature like, film yeah, not, and you only got one chance, you can't do the whole thing. It's not yeah, gonna work. Right. It's gonna fail.
1: Unless and, unless you have the budget and the trust of exactly. like someone like Peter yeah. Jackson. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah, <so>. But but <laughs> yeah. what happens is you lose that theme and the theme as yeah. as Ian you were just talking, it just made me want to go reread the book. Is <laughs> that <laughs> is our youthfulness, our imagination, our our that that essence of us is what will save us. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, yep. like when because this this um, Lovecraftian monster that has deadlights that will drive you insane, and the adults can just pretend it's not there, but the kids are the ones. Mm-hmm. Not only is it a burden that we are placing upon them. See, now I'm totally getting the things, and we should just keep going. Um,
5: <laughs> no, 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 don't. Yeah, have the conversation. I yeah. Mean,
1: so no, that's that. I mean, that's that, that's interesting you say that because I think we 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 run the risk of making fear just just a negative thing
2: right yeah fear
1: fear has a positive element fear fear can keep people sharp um it can it can allow for us to be aware um and so part of why the book especially and to some extent the the movies work is because when you lose the negative aspect of fear to some extent you lose the positive aspect with it and so you lose your awareness you you lose your ability to take into account that yes the boogeyman is still there right. it's not what we thought it was but it's still there and yeah. because we we are not aware of it anymore and we 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 put away the <laughs> we we put away the toys uh, of, of of childhood but we also end up putting away the truth of the toys
0: mm.
1: um yeah yeah and, and so that that's the, that's the problem is that uh, when they get older, twenty-seven years later, they're coming back to Dairy. They don't remember this stuff because they put away their toys right. and everything, that, right. all the baggage that goes with it. And, and so they're not aware; they're not sharp anymore. And then they're brought into a new world where Pennywise comes back. And the the beauty of what I think the adult story can do is it can give Pennywise more ability to just be himself. Because yeah. I, if, I, if I remember the book correctly, he talks a lot more in the adult yeah. part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's more trying to just scare people, uh, scare the kids. Whereas the adult part, he's, he's trading barbs. He's
5: very oppressive. And they're sharp
1: and they're hurting yeah. them. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I think this, I think the second film has a possibility of being really clever. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in how they write the script and, and how they use him as, Like, it's no longer about scaring them. It's about hurting them where it counts. And, and because they're so unaware, they, it, it's, it gets past their defenses, really. Sure.
5: And I think that one advantage that the, the sequel will have, and if it's smart, the sequel itself will hopefully not be compartmentalized to just the 20, to just the adult Mm plotline. Is I think, I think the sequel will now have to have tangible connective tissue to, you know, bringing the kids back showing us more of that old part of the world um and i think that'll be a necessity to sort of connect these two these two timelines um and i think that what everybody's saying about pennywise's oppressive power is i think part of what well and also i mean the book had 1200 pages to 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 do this you know um the only the only thing worse than not liking it is dropping it on your foot you're on
4: what 300 andy 300? 300. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs>
5: so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, where naturally the book has a lot more time. And I do think, in many ways, it is one of, if not king's definitive masterpiece because it deals with so many things oh, yeah. that show up elsewhere in his work in his body of work um mm-hmm. like all the things we've mentioned the power of yeah. memory uh childhood and innocence and the loss of innocence carrying your monsters into your adulthood all of those kinds of things uh is is what it is largely about um but i do think uh, I, I think this was blake who said this that like the the oppressive power that pennywise has when they're adults and and yeah because he is being when he's when he's with the kids he lures them in by kind of being playful and like hey come here you know so he frightens them but not really until they get close enough to for him to possibly catch them but as adults he doesn't care. As adults, he comes at them teeth bared, he's not trying to lure them anymore now he's like, and, and you really get this sense in the book of like, when they're adults, he's very much like giving them the finger like, yeah, you thought you got rid of me, didn't you? Yeah, you'll never get rid of me. There's no way that you're ever right. going to yeah. escape me and there's a power to that kind of uh, I mean, it, it naturally is demonic. It's it's very um, it's, it's a tactic of the enemy that things are always going to come back to the negative place. It's always going to come back to, to the bad thing we can frame ourselves psychologically to think that the indomitable part of life is the negative part of life and that the monsters are the ones who never go away that good only triumphs temporarily instead of instead of seeing it the other way around and i think that's part of the power of the adult storyline in it is that it plays with that in a very direct tangible way
4: yeah um before before we you know, we've we've already started cracking the book on on some thematic ideas, which are all very rich and good. Let's let's do um, sort of a bullet roundtable of some scares. You know, it uh, this this is this is a, a horror movie, and it is doing gangbusters at the box office right now. So inherent to that yeah. uh, genre is going to be some scary stuff. So um, for time's sake, maybe for the moment, just limit to one or two. Um, I think for me, I'll start with just one that was probably the most effective. I've got others. But the most effective scare in the movie to me was Pennywise showing up in the bathroom to attack Beverly after she attacks her dad. Um, I just, because it was a scene not built on Pennywise, I was not prepared for him. Um, And she has this real heroic moment of overtaking her father. And then all of a sudden he's there and it made me jump three Beat out of me, <laughs> so that that if I had to pick exactly one, that would be my one. Uh, who else?
3: Um, my scariest scene was at the butcher shop where he's behind the glass or the the plastic, and his head is tilted to the side, Ooh. and then he just comes at um at that guy. Mike yeah, is that where he's got and the he's,
4: arm? Did my makeup? Yeah, oh. yep. uh,
3: mm-hmm. yeah that was that was my scariest part
1: um i'll go ahead and say that the i don't see scares are hard for me because i i very seldom
4: actually just because nobody was actually driving in the night and nobody exactly yeah exactly like, not scary that is- at all <laughs> there was fields. <zero> exactly. <laughs> no I,
1: I i i there's only one movie that has actually kept me awake at night um but that's for another podcast wow <laughs> um, I know so
2: paranormal activity <laughs> There are no fields in it
0: either.
1: <laughs> but I will say the most impressive moment uh, as far as uh, I think this is impressive because I think this is one part where they got CGI right and it could have gone horribly wrong. And this is the part where they're looking at the, uh, uh, the slideshow
4: Yeah. And, and,
1: gi- and the humongous Pennywise comes out of Whoa. the screen. That shouldn't have worked on no, any level. I agree with you, but yeah. it worked really well. And I was like, that, that actually feels visceral and realistic like the way they did that and and, and so it, it like I, w- I looked at that and I was just like I, I kind of sat back and I was like all right all right I, I feel like I'm in good hands like, you know, like.
4: <laughs> well, what's, what's funny about that is I remember in the in in the screening I was in getting to that scene and thinking oh well this is the trailer moment so I'm kind of ready for this. And then I, sort of like what you just described, that experience of it just keeps going. So whatever was in the trailer, mm-hmm. they then added to and bulked up that scene. And then it yes. comes out in this monstrous
2: giant form. And I don't know, I was, I was really impressed with that too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I would also say uh, there, were, there, there weren't any scenes where I, I shrieked or anything like that. But what I found unnerving most was the slideshow. Um, the image of... Uh, Bill's mom that yeah, becomes Pennywise. Yeah. Um, so with the conceit of uh, they've unplugged the projector, all that stuff, it's still going, and uh, we're getting closer and closer up, uh, zooming at uh, in, into his mom's, uh, her her hair is blowing in the in the wind, um, but then slowly realizing, shot after shot after shot after shot is Pennywise, and just waiting for the the full reveal. Um, I did find that agonizing, and I guess for me, it maybe my own kind of kid-in-it moment, it, it reminded me of nightmares I would have when I was a kid of, uh, you know those shows that would be on on Friday nights about, like, aliens and ghosts and stuff like that, like sightings and stuff like that? Um, sometimes I would have a nightmare that aliens used to freak me out, okay?
1: So... <laughs> <laughs> Yep. They still do, Ian. They still do.
2: I barely slept between fourth grade and sixth grade because I was so worried about <laughs> alien abductions. Uh, so I'd have this recurring nightmare where it's 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 some crappy like camcorder footage of like someone looking at a window when it's night, and then like a gray is gonna like poke his head in the window, you know? And the nightmare is that I'm watching it, and I know that the gray is gonna poke his head into the window, and I'm covering my eyes with my hands. But then I can see through my hands and it's almost like um, as if the alien knows I'm watching and will make me watch despite my efforts to not see. So I guess it was just reminiscent of that. That's pretty in the, intense. Um, yeah. Yes. So th- then I just went into apoplectic shock and uh, was wheeled out and it was a, it was a great Yeah. Night.
4: I'm surprised you didn't earlier say that Pennywise would appear to you as an alien now.
2: Yeah, I, I I forgot. I forgot like an, just, adult, just it's like coming, an adult. It's all coming. It's all coming back <laughs> now. I'm such an inauthentic
4: adult. Reed, what about you, my friend?
5: So the biggest part for me uh, that sort of stands out is like when I was the most tense, uh, aside from several of the jump moments, um, was when the trio, uh, Eddie, Richie and Bill, first go into Neibolt's house. Uh, yeah. When, yeah. They, when they're all there mm-hmm. and they start kind of getting parsed out, you know, Eddie gets separated out and then Richie in the death room of clowns, good lord, help Ooh, me. Yeah, um, so, left, yeah. And then all of the, you know, and of- then encountering the doors and, and the the, you know just the what I really loved about that scene overall is that they really it, it is one of those moments where I think they did start to dip their fingers into into the dread territory because it wasn't entirely sure. based around them just startling you in moments that you didn't quite expect there is a, a tension building up steadily as you're moving through that uh, you know the horrors in that house with a tremendous payoff um, when they first start to learn the nature of Pennywise and like how you know if he's not if he's not believing in if he's not if they're not afraid of him and all that stuff and then beverly jabbing him through the eye you know it was just a great a well-constructed sequence and that's that was probably my favorite moment of the film in terms of the fright factor uh second favorite moment of the film you know to the whole welcome to the losers club moment for richie uh that that was that was really up there for me that whole first entrance into the niebolt house uh, for me. One
4: honorable mention I wanted to throw out for Scares was um, the whole uh, Beverly's sink scene. I thought, uh, mm-hmm. even knowing it was coming, I was really just impressed with how hard they committed to that scene. It really is effective and disgusting and... You know, yeah. I mean, it's it just keeps going. It's it's just kind of this real, sort of like what you just tra- described, Reed, about the Neibolt House scene. Predominantly, the movie leans into the jump scares. I feel like that scene would fall more in line with if there were just a couple more of these throughout it or something like it that that just sort of built this dread kind of component. It might have landed a bit more in the really, really, really scary kind of category. Um, as it was, that was just a really effective scene. When the, I mean, what's more disgusting than hair in a sink?
5: Blah. Hair in the sink attacking <laughs> oh, you is what more a, disgusting.
4: As a large, hairy dude, I can say there is not much scarier than that.
5: Sure.
3: Can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, actually, while well,
3: I've been thinking about it, um, the bully... What's his name? Henry. Henry.
5: Yeah. Henry. Henry Bowers. His
3: whole story, his whole thing was, is terribly frightening. I mean, you know, cutting, um, Ben's stomach. Yeah. yeah, Running uh, after him. Like the, the fact that he like just kills his dad and, um, you know, just coming at him like that. That's scary because it's like, I wasn't the most popular kid, but, um, you know, there were those mean kids around who would just like shit on you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, and he was that guy. And that's, that, you know, that's. And that's that probably in
4: great. one of the deleted scenes is doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <and> that's- <laughs> I mean, he, he was a true bully. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, and, and that's one of those touch points uh, of, of the book and, and the films is that, That's, that's what, that's like the ultimate end of bullying. Like that's, if you take it to its furthest extreme, right? like it's just, it's murder. It's a type of murder. And so, um, and so, yeah, it's, that is terrifying, uh, for many reasons.
0: Mm.
5: Yeah. Um, I uh, I want us to I want us to start having a little bit of space to um, to sort of talk about thematic things. But I did want to mention just very briefly one one final sort of scare on the on the bullying note is uh, we've mentioned it about the sort of the ineptitude of the adults in there. But these kids all have just. Horrendous home lives, with the exception of Bill. Um, like they all just have uh, situations in their home, which is just they feel un, uh, they feel so disenfranchised by the people who are supposed to be uh, caring for them, nurturing them, guiding them, and they feel completely and utterly all on their own. And I think that's one of the, the one of the things on a sort of a deeper, more uh, underbelly level that's really frightening about the story in general is that that you do reach a point to where you're like. Like, I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm all alone. Like, yes, I'm with, you know, and this will actually kind of bleed into some of the things that I that I was going to um, talk about in in themes. But that's the that's the other element of it is the tremendous fear and the fear that Pennywise literally feeds off of is by isolating them, by picking them off and and getting them away from yeah. the group and if he can make you feel alone you are much more consumable and if he can make you feel utterly um, that that uh, nobody is going to come to your rescue nobody is going to be there for you, this is all up to you, that's a terrifying thought and I know a lot of times kids um, and even getting into the teenage years, that's exactly what we struggle with is that, we struggle with that idea of like, wow, the world is just against me and nobody's got my back, nobody's going to be there for me if I cry out for help nobody's going to be there if I try to reach out to anything and uh, and that's sort of you know systemic in dairy but I also think that's systemic in life Um, unless anybody else had any real burning scares that might that might lead us into some of the thoughts for for themes if you want to dive there Um, I had one major theme that I'll go ahead and and just bounce out because it bleeds off of what I was saying and then we can Bander that about, and then if anybody else has anything else, we'll we'll roundtable it. Um, but I do think that one of the things that stuck out to me the most um, about The Losers Club and why we love The Losers Club and why my favorite moment in the film is that moment when Richie is like, welcome to The Losers Club, and, and they start attacking Pennywise as a collective unit. Um, is mm-hmm. the the sense of community? We've already talked about how what the film gets right is their relationship and and the strength there. But yeah. I think that's really, I think that's really what's at the heart of the book in terms of a hope level. Is yeah yeah these are the people who understand these people surrounding you. They come from various different backgrounds, different creeds, different life stations. Um, mm-hmm. But these are the guys like they're they're drawn together by uh, sort of a almost spiritual connectedness that like hey we are alike in the world even though we have dramatic differences left and right we are alike in the world and they bond together as as a cohesive unit and that's what ultimately defeats the darkness both in the child world and as adults is their ability and capacity to come together and that's something that i as a person always respond very strongly to whenever that's in a film is this idea yeah. of you know uh, to, to quote lost live together die alone you know that's that's the, me to it <laughs> <laughs> so but that's you know that that is something I've always just as a person responded to very deeply the necessity of community the strength of community the power and yes the power in community to overcome the darkness that's that's driving in into threaten. so that's that you know that's really sort of the period at my theme I'd welcome thoughts or kickbacks or or nuances or anything else?
1: Yeah the uh, the beauty of that of that theme is 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 that we've already talked about the systemic and the permeation of evil and sin in dairy. Yeah. Um. The beauty of the nature of systemic evil and and sin is that it cannot be overcome by one person. Um. It has to be mm. done in a community. Like there has to be a even even Jesus Christ who who died on the cross and defeated death. He was still in the trinity like he mm. still was in a community mm-hmm. um and so that's the beauty of of, of the nature of, of the trinity and so um
4: and this like is why you should be in your small group at your church
1: exactly <laughs> yeah this is why you should be in accountability groups um, yes yes so yeah oh <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I think later. i think that's a nice tie-in to to the fact that uh, if you're if you're going to confront evil Evil is always systemic. Sin is always systemic. Mm. There is no such thing as private evil or private sin. Um, yeah. and so you have to be in a community. Like there has to be people, you have to surround yourself in people that are of a like spirit and a like mind and a like mm-hmm. heart in order to first recognize the evil or the sin and then to attack it. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that's where the power comes to defeat those things is is when you're you're of a like mind yeah
5: yeah agreed and i would even say on 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 top of that too you're striking in me the memory that it is it has always bothered me when we talk about like sin as a compartmentalized thing well you know it's not my sin uh or you know like i'm not as bad as that or i haven't done this thing or i haven't done that thing and there's a a blatant uh, dismissal of Our collective culpability in the sins of the world, that we are uh, collectively culpable. Yes, I have not done. The things that this other person has done, but the quality of sinfulness in the world around us, I am I am responsible for that. I am culpable for the contribution that I've made to that end. And unless I, in in my theological understanding, unless I come to at least a baseline recognition of that, I have no chance against it. Unless I have a recognition of my own culpability in the sinfulness of the world, then I'm going to have no hope in accepting grace, accepting the the redemptive nature of Christ's blood, and 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 taking that into my own life. I, I've no hope hope for that because i'm gonna think like well i'm better than that at least at least i'm better than that so it's not my problem and it's not it's not mine to confront Mm -hmm. um and yeah we could go on a rabbit trail with that i'm not i just wanted to Mm -hmm. mention that because it was sparking up in me yeah uh so who so who else either has a response to something like that or or uh or a comparative theme that they had ian andy nathan any one of you
4: um i don't mind going um so yes, I do have live together, die alone written on my notes right in front of me. Um, but
5: you made me Beverly. I get to steal that. Okay. That's just how it works. <laughs> you, can how it, works. you can have it.
4: It's uh, we're, we're all in this together, brother. Um, cause if we can't live together, we can going to die alone.
5: This is not an audition. Um, this is not that was like, my, that was my
4: Jack Shepard, uh, Jack Shepard, uh, <laughs> Reading I want to go back. I wanna go back. <laughs> no, we have to go back, Blake. Get it right. Get it back. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, it's never been. Easy. Oh, it's beautiful. Good job. Don't tell me what I can't do. You are my people. We are losers on an island of misfit toys. um
5: Meanwhile, Andy's like, "How about that clown, y'all?" <laughs>
4: You know, and he's like, "I'm just the everyman."
2: You know. you guys, you guys. I want it. to be a dentist. <laughs>
0: well,
2: dude, don't don't get me started. Best yeah, of I,
4: I, you picked that up and ran with it, um, <laughs> like a like a like a red balloon. Um, so I something I was. Yes, it, it is. It is indispensable. The notion of of community as valuable as as being what helps us and aids us overcome the things the obstacles both both ancient and evil and uh, small and local but i think the conversation like just from 15 20 minutes ago um, that i that i for my own self kind of accidentally walked into um, in exploring just the the differences in the narrative structure and that sort of thing are really like um, weighing my spirit a little bit. You know the 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 community notion, and this is going to sound dismissive. It is not at all meant to be, but the community notion is a very um, it's a very positive, noble idea and ideal and thing that we should pursue and practice. And hey, everybody, this is community is a great thing, and there is truth to we should all pursue that where and when we can and and you will find great value to that so so that's kind of there's a sort of a universality to that but I feel like this idea that keeps the word burdening keeps coming to me and, and thinking earlier about this juxtaposition of thematic notions of how the adults can't see it now mm-hmm. now maybe maybe we should nuance that phrasing the the adults don't see it can they I don't know but they don't. Mm. Um, And, and, and again, this is where the notion that the movie sort of does. And again, I'm not indicting the movie here, but um, the movie sort of presenting Pennywise as smaller than the book would um, in its 1200 pages, no doubt where it (laughs) gets into a little bit of trouble is, is deflating that red balloon a bit because I can't shake this feeling of how we, we burden our children with saving us and getting it right. Mm. We 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 impose yeah. how we've gotten it wrong and expect them to just sort of fix it for us it, subconsciously. I mean, it's so subconscious. Some some ways it's conscious, sure, and you're a real terrible person in the world if it is conscious. But but in most ways it's subconscious. But I just can't get over at least how it's presented in the book and 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 hopefully more fleshed out in a in a follow-up chapter 2 film is this is an ancient carnal depraved dark evil that is consuming the essence of a town mm,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and it is the children that save that town yeah and 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 i feel like there's something really powerful and indicting um about how how it calls me i think i think uh, maybe ian it was you earlier talking about just our jobs are stupid you know that's that's yeah. i know that's a yeah. i know that's a pithy comment but 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 the idea has merit like we make so many important we make so many things important that just aren't for not because they aren't valuable to the running and operating of our lives but because they are not valuable to the essential components i'll use a very strange example yeah. here. just recently Taught my kids how to ride their bikes. It was way. It was a very belated sort of exercise. Um, but they got there. My nine-year-old had her helmet on. She had her knee pads. She had her elbow pads on. I take them up to this little church parking lot near our house. They were riding around. I'm just sort of farting around on, on my phone while they're riding their bikes. Well, all of a sudden I look up and she took a turn too sharp and her face bounces off the pavement. Like, oh yeah! I'm watching this happen. Um, I can't tell exactly what has happened, but I'm rushing across the parking lot. She's okay. There was no blood or anything, but she chipped a tooth. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in this moment, she is arrested by the startle and the shock. And and I and you, I don't know if y'all have ever had these types of experiences. If you have children or if you have loved ones, period, you probably have. Um, where life just comes into very stark focus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're like. Oh wow! Um, this phone is a piece of junk. Um, what, who cares about that car over there? You know, like my job—it really doesn't matter. Like, oh my gosh, this person who is who is me, um, and who is us, is mm-hmm. in pain and in peril and in harm, and does—and especially in the case of a child, doesn't understand, can't quite comprehend the complex systems we create to sort of justify all the crap we do to each other. They don't, yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get it, and so that, and they're not meant to, and maybe we aren't either, but it just brings it all into narrow focus, and I'm, ra- I'm rambling here, but the point I'm simply trying to make is how scary it is to me, and the, maybe the real scary, fearful, dread nature of this book and the story is we just keep perpetuating this cycle of saying, hey, you generations below us, uh, we're going to F it up really bad for you, but y'all have fun with that, You know, mm. maybe you'll figure out a way out of it. Um. Yeah. So I. I don't know. I can't kind of shake that notion.
2: Yeah. I. I think that's a really. Um. I agree that that's virtually there in in the 2017 it film. Um. And I would I would also love if that becomes something very. Uh, uh, pungently explicated in the second installment. Mm. Um. Because I, I do. We've, we've reiterated so many times that uh, splitting it into 100%, 1989 and 100% 2017 is probably a necessary evil given how the industry works, et cetera, et cetera et cetera. But um, I, want, I want those kind of like Proustian, um links between past and present, that almost seem to hint at a causality between the past and the present Mm. that we know can't be, or at least we think we know can't be. Um, I want that to obtain narratively so that we see this um, order that unites um, seven lives um, around the phenomenon of Pennywise or, or I mean really the phenomenon of evil and the radical encounter with evil that uh, uh P- pennywise is really like a distillation of that uh distracted evil of of adulthood of um ignoring the barbarism of growing up and somehow being able to cast a blind eye on it and saying that's just how it is right. um and and just accepting the banality of evil as as necessary there's a difference between saying uh the 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 admission like yes, the world is full of evil A- acknowledging that is one thing, and then it's another to um lose awareness of it and um become become the adults driving past uh Ben getting cut up by henry right. gower oh and my, oh and and just go yeah. just go on um because that is i I agree with you that's an indictment we're we're them. Right. Because we're literally watching it, right. we are watching Henry Gower doing that the same way those adults are, and I think that that is a "you are the man" yes. moment. Yeah. Yes. We're doing the exact same thing, and uh, I, I, I just I hope that that is uh, I hope those horns are grappled with and uh, just steered toward us all the way in the second installment, um, because th- I guess. E- you're right about, uh, Blake's fear of open fields. It's the existential dread. And, um, yeah, I, I want, I want some jump scares to try to get me with Pennywise, I guess. But what I really want more than anything is the admission from the film that just being alive in a world as crummy as ours, um, just day to day is wearying and scary enough in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Because it, it it might not be a, a wolf man or a decapitated soldier, but there's horror lurking in every angle, right, all the time.
5: Sure, and I I would say to just, uh, gosh, it's still rattling around in my brain, uh, Nathan. Just that that notion of uh, actually got visible chills uh, when like on my arm, goose flesh when you said we burden our children with saving us, like yeah, the the. The arrogance and the um, the cognitive dissonance that happens when we when we misplace the reality that they are a gift that has been given to us, that we um, are meant to to teach and train and guide. And, and yes, it's true. Uh, there's a certain um, fond benevolence that hits that we want them to be better than us. But I think sure, that's very sure. different than the burden we yes. place upon them that demands For that sure. they be better, that demands yeah. that they get right yeah. what we what stopped. We yeah, exactly. What we stopped caring about and what yes. is, is no longer, you know, our problem anymore. And, and yeah, it, we can, we can easily slide into this, uh, because we're old and because we, uh, you know, not the people in this conversation necessarily, but when we, when we grow older, um, we can, like I forget who mentioned it, but we we do oh it was you Ian. we stopped caring about the importance of things responsibility. We we stopped caring about that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we kind of undermine ourselves because we have the profound ability. If we have learned our lessons to impart wisdom, to impart guidance, to impart yeah. uh, structure, to impart grace. Um, it's not the film or the book that we're talking about. But ha- who in this uh, conversation has read something wicked this way comes? Who's read that book? I have. Okay, I have. Um, it's been a so while. so. One of the things I love about that book, and I'm going to say it in contrast to the adults in it, so that it's not too far afield, is one of the one of the multitude of things that I love about that book. For many many years, that was cited as my ultimate favorite book ever written by anybody. Um, it's still second place only to A Christmas Carol, but. The um, thing that I love so much about that book is it's one of the rare instances where the darkness is coming to the town. Everybody's being consumed by the darkness. You've got these 13-year-old boys who are witnessing it and saying, like, where in the world are we going to go? And it's one of those bizarre, rare moments where one of the boys goes and tells his father, who's in his 50s, and his father believes him. And his father begins, right. yeah, yeah. And begins to join the action against it. And I get chills thinking about how rare that is. How rare it is that yeah. an authoritative figure would step in and actually do something substantial to to assist those who, like we talked about earlier, are, are feel alone, feel desperately alone, and feel the weight of this yeah. burden that is literally threatening to consume them. And you could go into all sorts of sociopolitical ideologies about like the whole like this is going to eat us alive if we don't do something about it. And there's such a uh, just an utter dismissal on the part of so many people who should be leading the charge and, and imparting and passing down the blessing and passing down uh the impartation of wisdom the heritage all of those kind of things uh, but we're foolish we have we have spent all of our oil and the bridegroom has come and we're done and and we yeah. we're we're spent and at that point we have nothing left to give but ashes and ruin and hope to God that that the kids will make better choices of it. But I think the thing that bothers me so much is our apathy towards that condition. We can grieve that condition and we can try. uh, You know, I mentioned just a second ago that my, you know, something wicked this way comes was supplanted as my favorite book by uh, A Christmas Carol. One of the things I love about A Christmas Carol is because at its base, it tells us that it's never quite too late to change. Scrooge is yeah. an old yeah. man when he finds his redemption he is a very old man and on his deathbed literally when he finds his redemption and so so there is hope if we can learn the lessons of that if we can recognize like hey yeah I may be in my 50s 60s 70s too tired to care too old to care nobody's listening anyway but there's still an opportunity if we will just look at things a little differently and try again to you know to join the fray with the losers club and not just abandon them to to wander the sewers and try to seek out the you know wander literally the filth and the stuff that's washed down from up above and try to right. go in there and confront that evil if we will join that fray with them if we will at, at the very least provide them so support and security and stability and a safe place to to speak and and all of all of that sort of thing i could go on for hours and hours but i'm just i'm really passionate about it yeah
1: this. yeah i think i think there's there's few things more beautiful than to see when a child provides a, a form of redemption for the parent mm. voluntarily without coercion. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an act that happens within the freedom of grace and love. Like it has yeah. to happen within that, that sphere.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: it cannot be coerced, it cannot be forced. But when it does happen, and when a child does address the sin of of his father to use biblical terminology um, and provides a way for their, their parent or uh, the sins of the parents to be cleansed. Mm. It is beautiful. Like that's Mm -hmm. the, like that's the beauty of grace. Like on a, on on a more um, on a community level or a systemic level is that if we can provide the grace and the love to cover this whole situation freedom can happen within that and yeah. people are not concerned about their own their own uh, sins in that moment it's it's that focusing that you were talking about Nathan that focusing in that moment of that car doesn't matter like this job does not matter like i'm in this moment i'm focusing on this child that i love yeah. or yeah. this parent that i love and I am voluntarily out of my love for this person or these people going to do this thing that takes sacrifice. It always does as parents. You guys know that. Uh, And so uh, there's always a cost and it's to yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's the gospel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that when that, that's what happens when the gospel takes place is that, it's It's a cost that we take upon ourselves so that someone else can be freed, and in losing same, our life
5: their, we find yeah, it absolutely exactly yeah yeah
1: so
2: right yep yeah. um and i I know that we can't explore this for very long. I just offered as a teaser I want to thread forward from uh what you said about something wicked this way comes uh we see um what you were lamenting in Salem's lot, where uh mark's parents don't believe him mm. and father callahan is the only person who will um put his uh reputation online to say uh, i know this sounds insane but like mark doesn't make stuff up right mm. so you know if burke thinks there's something to this and mark is saying this and i have no reason to go well that can't be then I have to consider it, right? Mm. And Mark's parents are saying, "No, that's nuts! Vampires, come on!" <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah. And it's it's it like you said. A lot of what we see in it is it, it percolates through so much of of King's work, but it's right. where the the kid the kid it's 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 the it's the special insight of a child that that gets you into the kingdom, right? Um, that also lets you see like, no, that that is a monster there. Like, you you can't see it because you're a dumb grown up and you you uh, your your care is disordered and uh, located in the wrong place. But that is a monster. Make no mistake.
5: Mm-hmm. And a monster of your making, a monster that you have contributed to
4: its yeah, creation.
2: This monster to- is your fault. Yes. by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: I um, want to say that a lot, just in life, just in This monster <laughs> is your <laughs> fault. Um, about right. about so many things. Sometimes new about sh- my children, maybe. You know?
2: new, new, new shirt design.
5: That's yes. right. Um, well, I, I'd like to do I'd like to do two things real quick because um, we probably should wind down the conversation. Um, but uh, we've heard so little from our resident everyman. I want to give Andy an opportunity yeah. to to chime in and and to say fell to say something. <laughs>
0: Um,
5: I, um, are you in the bathroom? I'm not,
3: I'm not in the bathroom. Um, I agree with what you guys are saying.
5: Uh, <laughs> it says, Don't say anymore. That was too perfect. That was too perfect.
4: That was like Sad Affleck. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that around yeah. like,
2: oh uh, I agree. Man. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> that was I Andy. Agree. I, I heard a microwave, like the <laughs> <push. That> <laughs> was...
4: <laughs>
2: Are you driving into a field I,
4: somewhere?
2: <laughs> I need a pot pie. Snap.
5: Um Well, I, honestly, I'm happy with that. Like Andy, I want you to have the chance, but I think that was such a pitch perfect. I agree with what y'all are saying. Like that's 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 the highlight reel right there. That is so that is so perfect. Um, but uh, sincerely, so the next the next thing I wanted to to do if uh, if nobody else has anything burning in their heart to say, and if they do, please uh, speak up because because we. Would my love heart it.
1: burns It's, there it's too. actually really more in my loins. Just so. You
5: know. Ooh, nice, <laughs> nice. This is
1: what's so funny
4: about this moment is I think Reed's actually uh, rightfully so building to something serious, and our dynamic <laughs> is I know during late in the podcast recording to back off the jokes because. You know, rightfully so. There's a little bit of reverence and in, invoked, and we've been talking about heavy thematic things. But y'all don't know our dynamic, and y'all just keep throwing them out there. It's and I'm awesome. like, yeah, go for it. It's you awesome. Reed's, Reed's getting pissed off. He's like, these I'm dudes are never pissed. doing this crossover I am again. I'm not getting pissed off. <laughs> I'm kidding I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no,
2: but. Blake, just, Blake's no dummy. He knows cues. He's just a nihilist. <laughs> I just,
3: I just love it when Blake brings up his loins. Just...
4: <laughs> <laughs> now, see, that's a man. quality offering, Andy. Thank <laughs> you for coming <laughs> yeah. on that.
5: Um, no, so as a, so just the
4: ritual can commence.
2: Oh, oh.
5: <laughs> I know my role in this. I'm, I'm, I'm out, y'all. I'm
2: out. Wait. That's, guys, that's that's great water. Wow,
3: wow. Um, Reed, please stop it all. So, 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 just. I guess I'll go
5: first. <laughs> so the. Oh, oh Lord! Oh my Miami goodness. I me dinner first. Good Lord! Okay. Oh. So, I know you've got a microwave. Like make it, make it useful.
0: In, in my In
3: my defense of the microwave, my wife was making hot chocolate. I knew it.
4: I knew. <laughs> and you just record next to the microwave. Uh, uh, get, yeah, get, yeah, get, yeah, get like going serious from this point on. <laughs>
5: so, wow. so, oh, so no. In all seriousness, like you know, we're, we're uh, the 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 only two things I have left to do is uh, I, I always like to bring in at least one uh, su- you know substantive scripture reference to tie all this back together, and I, and and I have one that I think uh, uh, applies to really everything that we've been saying. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse twelve simply says, "Though one may be overpowered." Two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There is evil, there is darkness in the world. There are plenty of things that can be frightening and scary and overpowering. But uh, in in community, both backwards and forwards, both in recognition of how we got here and in hope for what can commence from community, uh, that darkness can be overcome, that evil can be overpowered, the circumstances can be uh, can be endured, and and so that was. Uh, you know, the first of, the first of two things that I wanted to do was just sort of bring in the scripture reference to drive it home. Uh, I'll take a brief moment to see if anybody has any responses to that. And
0: yeah. <laughs> go.
5: um, and now uh, I think it's time for you guys to meet uh, mine and Nathan's best friend, uh, our our beloved. Uh, every episode where we talk about a movie, our, our beloved. Pace. Yes, our beloved David <laughs> S. Yeah, David S. Pumpkins is in the, is in the room, you know? Um, <laughs> so um So, as as you guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, because trust me, if you've never listened to our show, A, I'm not offended, but B, this is going to take some explanation.
2: <laughs> but B, I hate you. <laughs> but listen, we're fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Only got 15 minutes
5: in.
3: Only got 15 minutes in.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but we rate every film that we watch by, uh, a metric of number of David S. Pumpkins. So um, so that's the obviously the, the Tom Hanks SNL character. Um, so how we do this, each of you are going to... I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. I'll start with Nathan, and then we'll go around. I'll do the math for us, even though I hate math. But, um, but what you're going to do is you're going to think about a rating of 1 to 5, or 0 to 5 if you really hated something, um, uh, up <laughs> to 5 uh, in the area of style, which is just... How did, how did you find the approach to the story? How did you like it? All that thing. Just whatever style means to you. In the area of style, in the area of scares how scary is it, its fright factor, and in the area of substance, how much was there in it uh, to think about and talk about when you left the theater. So think of a zero to five rating for each of those categories. We're going to go around the table in each of those categories to discuss it, and then we'll spit out a metric, an official number of David S. Pumpkins. So Nathan, I'm going to start with you. What would you give the 2017 film directed by Andy Muschietti? Am I saying it right? Muschietti? Okay, so maschetti, spaghetti, yeah. <laughs> Spaghetti? <Spaschetti? laughs> Are
4: those
1: worms, Spaghetti?
4: <laughs> and also, and also, for those of you who have never participated in the David Pumpkins uh, scoring, you can do halvesies. So you can. Case, yes, I can, can do we do quarters? What about what about point seven five? Yes, I mean, exactly. Don't get crazy. Don't get crazy. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, for, what would you do? Style for me on for, for me on style for um, David Spaghetti's it. Um <laughs> I I really think they did about as strong a job there, there's a few kind of scripting elements um sort of how the story might have been uh done perhaps a little better but in terms of the production quality in terms of the satisfaction of coming out of Dark Tower and holding your breath for a Stephen King feature adaptation I thought they really nailed a lot of it, and so I'm going to give it a four out of five. David S. Pumpkins for style, I think they really got a lot right, far far more than they maybe could have, and definitely far more than I was worried they would. So so yeah,
5: awesome, four, awesome. Okay, uh, Ian, I'm going to go to you next for style. What would you give it out of out of five for style?
2: Um, most of today I thought that I would give it a three, but um, I think that they uh I think they captured 1989 uh, wh- while while giving us some structural links with like the 60s, like the original source material um I think that they evoked it well and mm-hmm. uh l- like we discussed gave us gave us some believable solid characterization and um just the fact that um dear God by XCC and uh, six different ways by the Cure were in the soundtrack. I have to give it three point five.
5: All right, all right, uh, fair enough. Um, Blake, what would you give it for style?
1: So style, um, I would have, I would have probably gone uh, with a four out of five, like Nathan. Except I really feel that some of the CGI is really dodgy.
0: <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and and so that really bugged me when it when it went wrong. Like when they got it right, it was really good. Like it was really well done. Um, but because it was so really well done in those moments, the dodgy parts were like,
2: uh, yeah, kind
1: of missed it well, on that one. So, I'm what like, were yeah, they like, Blake? <sighs>
2: okay, thank <Yeah>. you. So, <laughs> um,
1: so, I'm gonna give it a 3.5, like like Ian.
5: All right, that's wonderful. Now, Andy, same question for style. What would you give it out of five for style?
1: Um, I think it
3: captured a lot of stuff pretty well. If I'm honest, um, I give it about a 4.5. All right. On style. it's wow. nice. That's very <laughs> nice. So I'm going to say it's very... Very pleased. Awesome.
1: Andy Andy is always the most gracious when it comes to these films. <laughs> <It's> Incredibly, <laughs> so I
3: just want everyone to win.
1: <laughs>
5: so um I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same ballpark as all you guys. I'm going to land with Nathan. I give it a four out of five. I don't think it was necessarily perfect, but I think it was about as as strong as we could have hoped for for what they were trying to do. So yeah. um so I'm going to land at a four for style. Um so now in the area of scares, uh, I'm going to the order up a little bit and i'm gonna start with you blake for for scares um what would you give it out again out of five for its fright factor
1: so so as an avid listener of the fear of god I, i've always i've always found myself in this situation whenever y'all go through these um, because <laughs> it's tougher than scares, it looks isn't it scares for me it's it's always either it's it's like zero or five.
4: Ah, uh, and <laughs> Conten- like, all contingent on whether there was a field in the dark. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: But I, I feel like there there were you know some of the some of the jump scares were well done, uh, and I feel horrible to give it to uh, a complete zero. Um, so I'm gonna go with a with a one point five.
5: All right, one point five for <laughs> scares. That's a bold no shame. choice. No
4: shame. Very That's a gracious, bold place. choice right <laughs> there. Um, so
5: now I'm going to bounce over to Nathan. Nathan, what would you give it for scares?
4: Um, I'm going to I'm going to say what it is—a three. Um, I I think <laughs> that you know purely on the notion of the jump scares, I think the jump scares themselves are good, and and several of them are really effective. And I do think most of Nibolt House and the sink scene. Kind of tilted a little bit towards where I would have liked it to go. Um, I do think there was probably a lot more that they they, they could have done, but um, you know, to, to me, it was kind of a three in terms of scares. Uh, nothing dreadful, uh, but definitely had some something to it.
5: Sure, sure. Um, I'm in a similar boat with you. I'm going to give it a 3.5 for scares for some of the reasons that we've mentioned already. Um, I feel like it was t- a little too dependent on the jumps, but th- plenty of those jumps were quite effective. Um, sure. So, Andy, I'm going to go to you. What about for, for scares? What would you rate it for scares?
3: Um, I'm going to go with 3.5. Um, but I, I think for me, the the scare stuck with me. Hmm. Um. And, um, I, you know, jump scares don't, don't bother me as much as, you know, some guys do with, with not needing it. Sometimes I, I think it just adds to story and I like them. Sure. Um, but I, I
2: give it a 3.5. All
5: right. Sweet. Ian, where are you at with scares?
2: Um, I'm going to give it a three and I'm gauging that from, uh, audience response, um, because I, I'm kind of with Blake, where it, generally speaking, I, as much as I like horror films, they don't frighten me. Mm. Um, so in a way, I'm kind of grading it on were they stupid attempts to scare, mm. and um, from audience reaction, it seemed uh it, it seemed effective for a lot of people. I don't think there were too many dumb. I, I think there were too many jump scares, but. Uh, it wasn't just a deplorable, saturated mess of it. Right. And, uh, I did experience dread, you know, knowing what was going to happen to Georgie. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the slideshow was very nicely evocative. Um, I don't know, almost like a, I had this kind of vampire, like, feeling watching that in a way. And, uh, I, point, points for that effort. So, I'll, I'll go higher than middle of the road and say three. Okay.
5: All right. Perfect. Um, I'll lead the way on substance. Uh, and I'll say. I really struggled with this one because so much of what I want to infuse in it is is actually what I got from the book and not necessarily what's present in this film. Yeah. Um so but I think if I'm being fair to the film uh and and sort of divorcing that from my experience of the book I'm going to I'm going to land on a 3 for substance. Um so that was that was my vote for substance. I do think there's a lot there but it feels kind of by necessity of their decision to split it it feels kind of incomplete. So I feel like a lot of those payoffs we're going to get uh, once the story is whole. So I landed on a three. Um, I'm going to go next to uh, back to Andy. Andy, what do you, okay. what do you think for substance?
3: Substance uh, 4.5. All right. Um, I, I thought it was very good. I like the characters. I thought uh, it stuck with me and um, I, I, I give it, I, it's one of the better movies I've seen this summer um, I also saw the dark tower and I'm sorry uh, you know coming into another Stephen King adaption you know was was a little hesitant but mm-hmm. substance wide
5: 4.5 awesome nice um, Ian I'm gonna bounce over to you what would you give it for substance
2: I'm gonna give it a three um, for many of the same reasons that you did um, but I I feel like um, what keeps it from um, going like 2.5 is that I think that the grief um, is captured well and it is palpable. Um, And I like that it's set in contrast with this kind of anonymous and vanishing adulthood in the final quarter of the film and having the payoff of uh, finding finding Georgie's coat and seeing bill's grief it's not that i like enjoy seeing a teenage child like deeply deeply missing his deceased brother but it just it, it captured that feeling that feeling well and i think that that did contribute to something that stays with you and is worth talking about
5: sure sure i understand i can i can resonate with that um blake how about you for substance
1: so i'm gonna i'm probably gonna toe the line to some extent i'm gonna go with a with a three as well um okay. and it like you it's really hard to break apart the uh the film from the book um right and that's that's the case with the old film as well mm-hmm. um i think i think there was enough there's enough implied elements from the book yeah that were begun in in this film that it wasn't it wasn't inconceivable for you to draw those elements out. Sure. Um, And so I I think while they're not fully fledged out or fleshed out, like they hopefully they will be in the next film. um, I think there's enough there that you can kind of grab onto and you can kind of go from there. Um, But because it's still kind of seedlings of those ideas, um, it doesn't quite hit the the four and above level. So I'm going to go with a, with a three.
5: All right, that' fair enough. Okay, Nathan, you're going to bring us home right now. So, um, you tell us what your substance rating is, and I will tell us what our David S. Pumpkins rating is.
4: Sure thing. Um, I will echo a lot of what's been said and and go with a three. And, and honestly, that this is going to sound mean, but that feels a little generous at the moment. I think what yeah. probably pro- what probably all of us are feeling is there there's more to the story, and so yeah. They if, presuming they get the follow up sort of right, it could tilt my substance for this to the four or, or higher. you know mm. but but if they don't land that plane well, um, you know, it could tilt it towards you know lower. So so it, it's a it's a held breath kind of three. It's like, okay, I am bringing a lot of my thoughts on the book into the movie um, in terms of that substance factor. And so based on what I'm seeing, it's possible they will get there, but I, but it's hard to know for certain. So for now.
5: All right. And, guys, thank you so much for participating in that. This was the broadest, broadest. possible David S. Pumpkins rating <laughs> that we could have had. Um, but I think we've landed in a pretty fair place. I think everybody's going to be happy with this. We officially, in the first ever, first hopefully of many, The Body, the Blood, the Fear of God crossovers, we officially give Andy Muschietti's It 6.5 out of 10, David S. Pumpkins. All right. So,
2: we, um, all right.
1: We did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we got this spaghetti. <laughs> yes. Wow
5: so, um, so as we As we say on Every single episode uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom but it's not the end Of the conversation I uh, you know our listeners Have heard by now all of the Multitude of places that they can reach out to us Fear of God podcast at gmail.com Our Twitter handles etc so I want to Use our social media cues an opportunity for You guys to um, Share yours um, For us and then we'll remind everybody of ours And I'll land the plane so uh, where can they find people of the body the blood
1: um well you can find me at blake i Collier on twitter uh and facebook and my website is blake i Collier.com. i have an ego guys <laughs> say. I was uh, uh, we're you
4: know, all on a podcast right now blake yes we exactly. all have a yeah. of an ego
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and so uh and you can find the body the blood at the body the blood on twitter nice and would you like to talk about how you don't have a president you can't
2: anywhere? find me on the internet because i'm a luddite so it's been nice <laughs> or talking are you really
1: the
5: wisest among us I all did. i was
4: gonna say that's probably <laughs> yeah. a very respectable position <laughs> yeah oh, it is because
2: <laughs> i don't care about
4: adult crap <laughs>
2: yeah
1: what about you? i don't uh, have a phone to drop
3: uh you can you can find me uh, my Twitter hander is Hillabofus that's H-I-L-I- B-O-F-A-S I uh, I have a website www.hillabofus.com and if you want to find me on Facebook it's Andy Hillabofus
2: Whitfield. Now hold on Andrew tell them about tell them about Margaret sleeping. Oh, I
3: also have a wonderful website where I take pictures of my wife sleeping. Yeah, it's really weird. And uh, <laughs> If you look in Instagram, you can use um a hashtag Margaret Sleeping. You don't want to. And you can see it. And the other and you can check her sleeping at margaretsleeping.com. Yeah, just don't do it.
4: That is amazing i'm
5: going to <laughs> it right now <laughs> oh, that is so awesome um well and uh and as listeners know you can find us uh of course uh, at the fear of god on twitter nathan where can they find you on twitter besides the fear of god
4: uh sorry i'm looking at uh <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, wow you snapchatted a dog face onto her that's hilarious this is this is amazing um, I'm sorry. What was your question? They can find me. <laughs> <laughs> they can find me at, at the Nathan Rouse.
5: And you can also find me on Twitter at readlackey. You can comment on uh, this this post or any of our other episodes at MoreThanOneLesson.com dot um, And yeah, uh, we would just love to hear from each and every one of you guys. This has been uh, incredibly exciting for us. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Hope you guys have had a, as I much, much sure. fun as we oh, have. Yes. Um, so hopefully this. I mean, this is a very special quarterly king. This is our second quarterly king. Um, so this was it, we needed a real big uh, send off. For this one so body the blood thank you so much for reaching out to us to cross over and uh, this has been a real blast and uh, so yeah we hope it's the, the first of, of many um, I think they can stay tuned if they're listening to this feed through the body the blood they can stay tuned for more conversation um, this is where the fear of God will uh, will leave it for now guys thank you just so much again for your time and uh, for sharing your thoughts with us on it and for being uh, just, just good friends this, this is nice
4: yes
3: yes Yo, float too.
5: <laughs> and we'll uh, hey, check out socia- <laughs> check out social media w- uh, to find out where we're going next week because hashtag I love the nineties guys is coming. Woo-hoo. So hashtag oh. I love the nineties uh, starts next week. Uh, the first uh, entry in that in in that just phenomenal series we've been building to for uh, four or five months. Right now uh, we'll start next week, and we will see you guys then. B- Body blood. Thanks again. We appreciate it thanks guys thank you bye